0: Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the word of God. That in the last days, Perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, continent, fears, Turn away. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such, turn away. You'll put my title on the screen. You'll see what I'm going to preach tonight. The answer to the culture of this world. I said the answer to the culture of this world. What I just read was written some 2,000 years ago. But I believe we're living in a self-fulfilling prophetic realm or day or hour where everything that I just read to you is being fulfilled right before our eyes. It's not something coming, church. It's not something coming, young people. It's upon us. And with the help of God tonight, I want to help us with the answer to the culture of this world. Would you lift your hands all over this place? Father, would you arrest our minds? Would you bring every thought under captivity? Would you, Lord, allow the church to hear what the Spirit is saying unto the church? Lord, let your word go forth. Let there be no restraint tonight. God, I pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, as your anointing would flow down upon me, that it would flow to this congregation. That God, we would see and know. And when we leave tonight, we will have understood the hour that we live in and be equipped for such a time as this. You may be seated. You look so good tonight. Thank you for being here. We live in a culture that is heading the wrong way. I should say it's already headed the wrong way. Paul was describing our day when he wrote to Timothy. And the words that I read to you is not a pretty picture. If you really want to live for God, you can only live for God when you understand that the culture around you is not something that you want to emulate or be like. There must be something on the inside of you. One person said, if you want to live for God, you've got to live counter culture." Counterculture is a sociological term used to describe the values of a group that run counter to those of the social mainstream. So when I say the words counterculture, it describes a group whose behavior deviates from the social norms. That's what we as the church of the living God should be, our Culture, if you want to know what culture means, it's the way of life. It's what we subscribe to. It's who we are. Our culture is counter the culture of this world. The moment that we start aligning ourselves with the culture of this world, brother Jeff, things begin to shift and things begin to spin out of control because we're no longer... Operating as God would have designed us. But we are aligning with a social system that's been so perverted. It's been so arranged to go against everything that's biblical and godly. Turn on your news. Turn on your television. Turn on your internet. Look and search just for a few moments. And you can, you can shake your head in dismay when you think or see what's happening right now in our world, uh, and it should provoke the church. Everybody say the church the church of the living god to stand up stand in the gap make up the hedge and say you know what it may be going on out there but it don't have to go on in here there must be a righteous indignation that would rise up in every father in this room and say as for me and my house we will serve the lord that's the answer to the culture of this world is men with a backbone i know it's first family but I'm going to preach to the families tonight that a man would stand in their home and say you know what we're not going to have this in our home we're going to go counter culture we're going to stand up and say I will not let this perversion come in and influence our thinking our thinking our thinking our thinking gets warped our thinking gets diluted our thinking gets tainted and before long, we, we even question what we've been taught for years. We start believing the lie and being damned. We start by, 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 by entertaining spirits. And, and before long, we wonder why our kids are struggling. We wonder why our kids come home and say, you know, I, 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 I think I'm attracted to the same sex. I'm going to make it plain tonight. I'm, I'm going to make it plain tonight. God did not create you that way. There is only two genders, male and female. If there is an attraction to the same sex, it's an unnatural affection. It's unnatural. Can I get a witness in this room right now? I don't care what Hollywood says. I don't care what Disney says. I don't care what your friends say. I don't care what your peers say. It's unnatural affection. And the answer to the culture of this world is for us to stand for what's right, even when we're in the minority. Even when we are in the minority, or so it seems, we're really not in the minority. You know why we're in the minority tonight? Because we've kept our mouth closed. The church, I'll say the church, and the world in general, we'll say the denominal world, doesn't believe what's being propagated as a whole. But we're bending and bowing to a 1% that's more vocal than we are. That is vocalizing what they believe and what they they are standing for. But what would happen if the 99% The 99% would open up their mouths and take a stand and not bend nor bow to the tide of this cultural shift that's moving in our world right now. There's no telling what could happen if just the church, the one God apostolic church would stand to its feet and say, you know what, enough Is enough. I'm not gonna tolerate this any longer. You're not gonna teach my five and six year old something that they should never learn at that age. That's too much of a burden for them to bear. We're in a sick world, church. I said, we're in a sick world. But where a sick world may be, there must be a well and healthy church that stands and says, I will not let the culture of this world shape me, shape my thoughts, shape my mindset, shape my beliefs. This stuff has gotten me... Whole shifts, it almost seems like it's, it's suddenly, but it's not been suddenly. It's been a slow desensitizing. It's slowly desensitizing, a little here and a little there. A little moving of the goalpost over here. Well, it's not that big. And it's moving over here and it's moving a little bit over here. And before long, we're entertaining or being entertained. By things that now we've learned to accept. The power of advertisement in this world today. Yeah. It will blow your mind the power. Images that are bombarding your eyes every day. Yeah. Every day you see an image. Every day you see, see things subliminally. And before long we're, we're desensitizing. Our problem in the first part of the 21st century is that we don't only have to oppose Secular culture, hear me, but much of what is called Christian culture. One poll said 94% of North Americans believe in God, but obviously they don't believe in God in the biblical sense of the word. And most North American so-called Christians don't believe biblically either. James 2, 19 through 20. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. But don't relish in the fact that you believe in a God. Because the devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. We have got to go beyond belief into a conviction about what we believe. We must step beyond. I believe in a God. I believe in God. I believe in him. Don't you believe? But I've got to go beyond belief. And I've got to get a conviction about what I believe. Who I have believed in. What I step. When someone comes asking me of what I believe. I should be able to say I believe and why I believe it. If not, you need to unplug Netflix. You need to get rid of Hulu. You need to turn the television off and you need to say, I'm not going to watch another show until I know what I believe. I know y'all thought it was just going to be Wednesday night Bible. It is. But we've got to disconnect from the culture of this world and discover for the first time who we have believed in, what we believe, and know because I can tell you that Hollywood isn't going to share with you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus' last command was, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Yeah. That's what it's about. That's what we've got to get serious about. Going into the world and preaching the gospel. We're entertaining ourselves to a place. To a place and being rocked to sleep. And we don't even know what we believe. The demons believe in God enough to tremble. Many so-called Christians believe in God, but they don't fear Him. They want just enough God to keep them out of hell. Just enough God to get them into heaven. But certainly not enough God to have an effect on their lives. God help us. God did not fill you with the Holy Ghost just to get you to heaven. God did not save you and deliver you just so you could go to heaven. He's calling you to an abundant life. That is against the culture of this world. So that we can affect those around you. What good would it be to have the Holy Ghost? Have the, the liberating power of God living on the inside or so we profess. But we're not reaching those around us. Or being a light or a testament to those that we come in contact with. We've got to wake up to get beyond the tremble. We've got to wake up beyond the tremble. And get a reverence for God and know that He's coming back. We don't know the day nor the hour. But we've been hearing it for years. Jesus is coming back. He's still coming back just like He said. We don't know the day. We don't know the hour. But we have got to understand that a cafeteria mentality. A Morrison's cafeteria. A Piccadilly mentality. I'll take what I want and leave what I want. I'll pick this verse or that verse. Uh, We become cultural Christians if we're not careful. But if you hold on, it's a danger to be around the apostolic church, but never become the apostolic church. Be careful that we hang around this so much that we learn the Pentecostal calisthenics. We learn, we will fulfill the scripture where we have a form of godliness, but there is no power. I said we have the, fo- we look good, but where's the power? I said we look good, but where's the power? I've come to this church to tell you we can't only look good. We can't have all the eyes dotted and the T's crossed. We've got to have the power moving in our services. We've got to have a demonstration of the Holy Ghost. When people walk in here addicted, they can leave here changed. When they come in with diseases, they can leave here healed. That's what the world needs. When the apostolic church showed up in the book of Acts, signs, wonders, and miracles happened. When the apostolic church showed up, Acts chapter 19 and 19, many of them also which used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it at 50,000 pieces Of silver. Let me make that plain. I know I didn't give that to the media. Acts 19. The Holy Ghost got so. It's not out of control. The Holy Ghost got so in control of people. They started evaluating their lives. They started taking inventory of what was in their houses. They started noticing that ain't godly i, I, I got to get rid of all this sorcery and witchcraft. I've got to get rid of all these gods in the house. The Bible says in Acts 19.19, 19, they brought their books together and burned them before all men. When they did a tally of all of the stuff they burned, notice they didn't sell them. They burned them. They found it to be 50,000 That's a revival right there. But where I'm concerned today, where I'm concerned, and I'm going to say this, is we're buying what the early church burned. We're entertained by witchcraft. That's what that was. Curious arts brought forth their books together. We're entertained by things of this world. And we're buying into the lie of Satan. The Bible says when there was a good old burn. How many of you have ever been a part of a CD burning in your life? Boy, that's it. Anybody ever been a part of a tape burning? Yo, Brother Paul, you remember having anything? I remember as a kid. My God, they preached it so hard. There was CDs in the car. There was tapes in the car. Go clean out your cars. Bring all your stuff. Bring it. We're going to we finna burn every piece of it. You remember that, Brother Jones? You had burnings. You know, I'm not going to ask you to bring them tonight, but you know what? The Lord may speak to you to get rid of some stuff. The Lord may ask you to go clean out that closet of all some stuff. Let me tell you, after they had a burning service, so mightily grew the Word of God and prevailed. That's verse 20. After they they addressed the culture that was so ingrained into them, and they got rid of it. This This was after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 19. They burned some stuff. They got rid of some stuff. They countered the culture of that world. When that happened, The Bible says that the word grew and prevailed. Could it be the answer in 2022 that we get rid of some things? We have some good old-fashioned burnings on the inside. Burning of some things on the inside. Get rid of this. Get rid of this. Get rid Burn this. Burn that. I'm not going to be entertained by it. And when that happens, your testimony comes alive. The story of redemption is shared with somebody in their reach for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I feel this so strong in the Holy Ghost tonight. God's calling the modern apostolic church to a deeper walk with Him. Well, I'll get as close as I can without, you know. I'll get as close as I'm going to the church. That's about as far as I'm going to go. I'm going to be here Sundays and Wednesdays, but that's about as far. God's calling a full commitment into this church. God's calling you to sell out, burn some things. I'm talking about spiritually, and it may apply physically. When you begin to do this, there's something that's gonna happen on the inside of you that you've never happened had happened before. There is a depth in you. But what I'm afraid that's happening, that we cannot yield yourself to this thought process. That we believe in God but live as though he doesn't exist. You might can quote Acts 2.38, but Acts 2.38 doesn't affect your lifestyle. You may can quote certain scriptures, but it hadn't made an adjustment to your life. We've got to get the word so in us that it prevails over our flesh. It prevails over our thoughts and what we've been, what, how we've been thinking and what we've been entertained by or what we have yielded ourselves to believe. Our young people need strong voices. I'm going to speak to our parents right now. Our young people need role models and individuals in their lives that not only just come to church, that can not only quote Scripture, but they live the Scriptures that they are quoting. And they are living examples. They are living testimonies. What the greatest danger for our young people to see and to experience is people in here, in here, saying one thing and living another. Saying one thing, doing another. It questions what their pastor says. It questions what I'm trying to take us and where I'm trying to take us. But if we could do as the book of Acts church did in one mind and one accord and have all things in common. If I could get you on the same page of where God's taking us and we can get all things in common, there'll be a Pentecost. I said, there'll be a chain-breaking revival. There'll be demonstrations of the Spirit. We'll be on our way to prayer meeting, and we'll see somebody on the side of the road, and we'll pull over and say, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto thee. That's what will happen if we start not just professing it, but being it. The devils believe and tremble. I heard Raymond Woodward say this, that the modern day apostolic church, if they have the right doctrine and they don't live it out every day, they become apostolic atheists. Apostolic atheists. Let me help you understand that. The fear of the Lord, Proverbs 9 and 10, is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Psalms 36, 1-2 The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flattereth himself in his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful. I'll use that in the a New Living Translation. Sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. They have no fear of God at all. In their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. Who are these wicked people? Surely not the church. Surely not us. But when you look at Jeremiah 17 and 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The only thing that restrains wickedness in our lives is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is not terror, but reverent awe. In other words, you better know the Lord. The more... You know Him. The more you will fear Him. I'm not talking about being so scared you can't even move. No, no, no. The fear of the Lord. I am who I am. I do what I do. I serve how I serve because I love Him. I don't do it in fear. Well, if I mess up my God, He's going to strike me dead. No, 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 no. That's not not how God intended for us to live. But oh, when we get the knowledge... We know who He is. And if we will begin to fear Him, we will begin to serve Him. And when we begin to serve Him, it will be without conditions. Ask Abraham in Genesis 22.12. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. God is seeking for a people. The answer to the culture of this world is a people who is convinced of a fear and a reverence of God that they will serve Him without conditions. There's nothing you can ask of me, God, that I'm not willing to do. There's nothing your Word says that I won't submit to. Abraham had to make that decision. Take your only son and offer him as a sacrifice unto me. Abraham says, okay. He didn't sit there and have an arguing match with God. He didn't remind God it took 25 years for this promise to come to pass. He did not say, why are you such an awful and a dreadful God? Why would you kill my... Why would you do this? No. I fear Him so much. I love Him so much. I'll be willing to return the sacrifice. I will be willing to return what He has blessed me with. And do it accordingly. God is seeking for us to serve Him in this world of culture, a life without conditions. Many people say, if God, if you'll fix my life, I'll serve you. But quite often, God wrecks our lives in order to make you more like Him. I was reminded today in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne thrown high and lifted up and His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings with twain. He covered His face and with twain He covered His feet and with twain He did fly and one cried unto the other saying, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe! Is me. For I am undone. I messed up. You've wrecked my world. Because I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the king. Not King Uzziah, but I've seen the king. The Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the, tong- with the tongs from the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, said, touched my lips and thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin is purged. Also I heard a voice saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. The greatest fear of the Lord is obedience. The answer to the culture of this world is a Spirit-filled individual who's willing to obey. I've got the fear of the Lord. I am going to obey what His Word says. For John 15, 14, 15, If you love Me, keep My commandments. Luke 6, 44-46 For every tree is known by its own fruit. Not for the tree standing next to its fruit. Not the tree in the same vineyard. Not the tree in the same church. Every tree is known by his own fruit. That means you won't be known by my fruit. You won't be known by mine. You'll be known by your own fruit. That's what the Bible says. For of thorns men do gather, do not gather fruit. Eggs. Nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. And why call ye me Lord, Lord? And do not the things which I say What's on the inside will manifest on the outside. He's saying, are you becoming more obedient or more disobedient? Are you living along the same lines of our culture? Are you living counter-culture? Do you live the truth or do you just believe the truth? It's a question that we must all answer. If I am going to be the answer to the culture of this world, if my light is going to shine before men, if my light is going to shine brightly, I've got to live a life that's opposite of this culture. I've got to live a life that's opposite of what's propagating. If you don't have anybody to pray for every day, You need to pray for every kid that's in a public school. What they have to face, what they have to endure every day will blow your mind. If I were to hand this microphone to students in here that range from multitudes of different backgrounds, it would blow your mind the things that are going on in schools around you. Really? Yep. If I were to ask you or ask them today, are there people in their schools fighting, identifying with who they are? Would you say yes? Heads are shaking all over this place. That's just on TV. No, it ain't. It's in schools they go to. They're fighting with their sexuality. They're trying to they're trying to identify who they are. That's why we got. We have to be the church that's separate, that not identifies with the world. We've got to run. We've got to run counter this culture. We've got to say no, no, no. You was not and I know I feel like a broke record, but I'm trying to end. I'm trying to land this plane. We have got to be the strong voice. Of biblical soundness that gives them hope, because without the hope that we can give them through the Word of God, they have no hope. When they're struggling with, with 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 their, you know, I know this is a mixed crowd, and I know there's a lot. When they're struggling with who they are and how they identify with themselves, and they're hearing 24/7 one thing. And there's this little apostolic girl or this apostolic boy walking the hallways that says, you know, it don't have to be that way. You don't have to join the club at school that promotes alternate lifestyles. You don't have to join the clubs at school and buy into that thought process. You can stand up and be godly in an ungodly and unrighteous world. Say you know what? I'm not going to give in to that. I'm going to be the. I'm going to be what God has created me. If God created you a female, you can go to a doctor. I heard one, the lieutenant governor of North Carolina said, you can go to a doctor and get cut up. You 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 can go through surgeries. You can go through all of that, but you can't change your DNA. You're going to always be a female. I'm just bold enough to. If God created you a man, you're always going to be a man. I don't care what you, how you alternate or try to... You're always, your DNA cannot be changed. God created you that way. So embrace that. And if a wicked spirit from hell tries to come nigh under thy doorstep and come into you and you entertain that, you need to cast down those thoughts and cast down those imaginations and say, you know what? I'm not giving into that. I'm not gonna entertain myself with that. It's a spirit from hell. I'm going to save myself for the young man or young woman that God has identified for me and has prepared for me. We've got to stand against this culture that's just going crazy right now. I know you all think I'm crazy, but I'm not. I'm serious, I'm not. I had a man tell me this, week. You can be seated. That this world has got so warped. Now I've not seen this. I've only heard of this. But I'm just going to tell you what I was told. And some of you kids may can verify this. There is a club that you can get in in school. Called a cat club. I don't know if this is real. I'm just telling you what I was told. That if you identify as a cat. Or you want to identify as an animal. You can do it. When they take enroll at school, you don't say here or present, meow. And y'all think we're crazy? Y'all think we're crazy? They think we're crazy? Because we believe what we believe. There is a warped world that is convincing people. If you want to identify as a cat or a dog, you can do... I don't care how much you meow. Now, I'm going to really blow your mind what they say. They say they're putting litter boxes in the bathrooms. I don't know if this is true. I hadn't seen one. But if you don't want to use the public facilities, you can use the the litter box because you identify with a cat now. What'd you say, brother Don? Lord help us. Do I need to read the verse of scripture that I started with? Without natural affection. Everything that just makes good common sense. It don't even, they don't even make sense anymore. I just wish we'd get just baptized with a good old common sense. There's some stuff that nature itself teaches us. Like Brother Wheeler, is this okay? Some stuff nature itself teaches. You don't even... Just wake up and go outside. Nature itself will teach you some things. That's what the Word says if we want to stay in the water. Nature itself teaches you some things. So God put things in motion knowing that a culture would get so out of whack. I mean, how much worse are we than Sodom and Gomorrah? Brother Zach, how much worse? I, just, I don't even want to know what they were doing. That God got so angry that He destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. How much more we can identify as an animal. We can identify as the opposite of how God created us. I I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And then I have to say, I'm just a pilgrim passing through. But on our journey through, John was a voice crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. We are voices in a wilderness. We are voices in a society that's so warped, that's so messed up. We are voices how God's choosing to use us. Where God is choosing to place us. How will you use your voice? Will you use your voice to declare righteousness? Will you use your voice to stand out in a crowd? You may not look at like everybody else. You may not talk like everybody else. Young man, you save yourselves for your for your wife and young lady, you save yourself for your husband. You don't taint or pollute and minimize the sacredness of how God created you, but you stand strong and not fall by the wayside and fall prey to the culture of this world. A spirit of lukewarmness, and I'm coming to a close. There's a spirit of lukewarmness that the book of Revelation talks about. He's talking to the churches. and a culture-driven world. He looks at the church and he says, I'd rather you be hot or cold. But don't be lukewarm. The world doesn't need a lukewarm apostolic church. But a lukewarm apostolic church looks like this. They crave acceptance from people rather than from God. They do just enough in church to alleviate their guilt. The gauge of their spirituality is comparing themselves to others. Lukewarmness. They rarely witness about the Lord to others. They only give when it doesn't hurt their standard of living. They want the benefits of serving God but no responsibilities. They think more about life on earth than about eternity. They only turn to God when they are in trouble. They ignore any Scriptures that affect their personal lifestyle. They are not much different than the rest of the world. That's the picture of a lukewarm Christian. But Paul writing to the church of Ephesus, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil, wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Matthew 6.33 But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And I close as you stand to your feet. Revelation 3.19-20 As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him. And he with me. The answer the culture of this world. It's not a lukewarm church. It's not a church barely surviving, trying to fit in, trying to blend in, trying to appease their flesh and be entertained by the culture that is so anti-Christ. But it behooves us as the church to stand, and when you've done all to stand, stand therefore. Mamas and daddies on this first family. Let me talk to the kids. If your mom and dad tells you not to watch something, don't watch it. How many got a cell phone? All oh, of you guys. Most of you got a cell phone. You ought to guard that cell phone and the content that you view as though the Lord Jesus Christ is right with you and is watching you every step you take because He is. He's the all-seeing eye. Parents, it's okay to pick a cell phone up and dare them to not give you the password. I ain't giving you my password. You better get the phone out of their hand. Well, it's my phone. Are you paying the bill? You living under my house? Well, I'm going to go live with a friend. Okay, go live with a friend if you want to. You're going to wake up to the reality. One day, mom and daddy wasn't so wrong after all. Those images that you looked at, that pornography and that filth. That's all it is. It's fake. It'll never be reality in this world. The filth that goes into your brain through the screen hells Hell's vice and hell's information tries to leap from a screen into your heart and into your mind through your eyes. You're forever... Your brain forever remembers those images that you, you, you'll you fast and pray and beg God. And triggers will happen. This will happen. This will happen. And it Oh my God. I'm reaching for somebody in here. Mamas and daddies, get control of that home. Mamas and daddies, get control and start... Start riding the ship putting it back on the take a time out from so much entertainment when's the last time you even checked the rating on a film when's the last time that you looked at the back label of something and said oh I better not watch that I'm being so transparent with you When's the last time you saw something and picked the remote up and said, uh oh, not in this house? If God can put that holy boldness inside of us, don't think I'm crazy. I look, Brother Paul, in 13 years of pastoring, how far this thing has shifted. What's it going to be at year 25? Will we be even able to recognize the church in 25 years? Will the church look and resemble the world? So much that we don't even know what the church looks like. God help us. God stir us to a place. Kids, the Bible said you're going to be disobedient to your parents in the last days. That don't have to be you. That don't have to be you. It said, honor your mother and father. Honor them. You're 13, 14, 15, 16 year olds. Your hormones is going crazy right now. You better thank God you've got a mom and a daddy that's trying to hold you. Trying to teach you and guide you. Thank your youth pastor, and your student leaders that are trying to put into you. Thank your church. They're trying to put something in you that'll hold you when the storms come. When the storms come. I look back on my life. My daddy was so strict on me. There was a season of my life that I was borderline bitter. Bitter but I'm almost 48 years old with kids of my own who I'll admit we hadn't always made the right decisions. But this thing called parenting is one day at a time. It's dropping the ball and picking it back up again and trying again. But I look back through all that my dad wouldn't let me do. He was trying to protect me. He was trying to keep me from some stuff. He was trying to keep me from experiencing something that I wasn't old enough to carry. He was trying to prevent something from getting inside of me. I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna do my best to not move any further, and I'm gonna let you come to this altar. But where many kids like myself, brother Jeff, this was me, brother Jonathan. My dad had pulled me so far this way, Brother Zach, that when I rebelled, I didn't stop in the middle. I went to the opposite end of the spectrum and I did things I shouldn't have done. I'm being so transparent with you as your pastor. God's trying to take us as as a church and as a family. If we can just find a happy balance living for God, living righteously, living biblically, living with restraints, but don't let the freedom that grace presents cause you to behave unwisely and cause you to make decisions that have eternal and lasting consequences. But find a rhythm of living for God. There's some things we do. There's some things we don't do. After almost 25 years of parenting, we try to say yes as much as we can. Not that we said it all right every time, but we reserve our no's for things that have consequences. Everything can't be no, 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 no. Because what's going to happen? That pendulum's going to shift. I've been told no all my life. I'm just going to go buck wild. Say yes as much as you can so that when you say no on the righteous things, on the godly things, on those things that have eternal consequences, and it's okay, mamas and daddies, if you say no. Don't let the default automatically be just because I said so. Give them reason why you say no. Because when you do that, they don't get bitter at you. They don't get angry at you. They may be bitter. They may go puff up. They'll get over it. But when they're laying in their bed and tears are flowing down their face, I know why they said no. Your flesh wants to go. Your flesh wants to do, but when you said no, and Daddy told me if I do this, it could have a consequence that I would have to live with for the rest of my life. When I was in high school, there were things that I wanted to do. All my friends were going to the Friday night parties. You're not going with them people, you're not going with that crowd. They're doing things that I don't want you exposed to. Little did I know they were drinking. A classmate that was supposed to graduate with me got killed in a car accident. Coming home from a party on a Friday night. I missed all of that. Because a daddy protected me. A <laughs> daddy said no one time. It was what saved my soul possibly. I want to open this altar before we're dismissed. Mm. I want to open it up for a commitment, a renewal.